1: About, threw up, alright? Have a little bit more uh, social awareness. That's to take a piss, don't take a shit in the porta potties, alright? All right, welcome back to another edition of the Butting Heads Podcast on Ramstalk Radio. I'm Steve Ribeiro. Uh, as always, I'm here with Johnny Gomez. Johnny, welcome back. You you missed last week after the win, and now you're back for a loss. What's up with that? Uh,
2: I, I think you're insinuating that I'm bad luck, and I'm te- inclined to believe you. <laughs>
1: it, it, it's funny. We, we had Kev on last week. Uh, you, you were dealing with power issues and kev was pretty negative honestly and i i was trying to be more positive um because you know we were coming off a win it was nice the bears are not that bad they're not a bad team they almost beat the saints this week uh but kev was like i don't know there there's a lot of issues like uh i'm really concerned about the miami game next week and lo and behold unfortunately he was right. The Rams lost uh 28 to 17 in a game that had all the makings of a trap game uh and we got trapped. Now, Johnny, to toot my own horn a little bit here. I did have the Rams lose to Miami in the preseason. I didn't make an official prediction on the podcast because it was a post-game podcast. Uh and I had the Rams at 5 and 3 after going into the bye. So, I'm just going to say Uh, if if, I, I think I deserve a lot of credit here for accurately predicting, uh, if the Rams weren't five and three, I would say, well, not, no July predictions really matter. But in the way of sports media, you only, you only talk about your old takes when they're right. So I'm bringing it back up. I was right. Yay me.
2: No, I mean, you, you did call it in all fairness, you did. And I'm pretty sure I said that the Rams are going to win. And I'm more than certain that if I was on last week, I was going to be overly hyped on the Dolphins game. Not that I was going to discredit the Dolphins because I did realize it was the makings of a trap game. I think we all kind of realized that. But um, I'm not going to lie. I probably would have said that the Rams are going to dominate the game.
1: Yeah, I, I would have picked them too. Uh, I would not have uh, continued my preseason pick of the Dolphins there but hey it happens um and if you want to look at the positives the Rams have three losses and two of them are out of conference which will not affect our playoff positioning which I mean uh if we're gonna lose four games all year let it be the games against the AFC East although I think uh I'm I'm not very worried about the other two Uh, although actually we'll we'll get to the Patriots in a couple weeks but um Anyways, so before before we dive into the game, this podcast is coming out on, on Tuesday, uh, the trade deadline day, also election day. I, I, I don't want to get into the election, Johnny, but, like, what the hell are, is the NFL doing not moving the day to the trade deadline? Like, I, I feel <laughs> like I, – I know they probably don't want to do it on a Monday because there's games, but I don't know. I feel like, like, in sports, trade lines, lines are a big deal, and you kind of dominate the headlines – more than you would any other week, except for maybe on game days. But it just seems kind of dumb because they're ob- like obviously things are gonna get buried in uh, what is going to be a probably a dumb day in media no matter who you're supporting.
2: Yeah, I, I totally agree with you because <laughs> you you know that the focus on any media is gonna be centered Around Election Day. So why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you move it to tomorrow, at least? I think that would be very important. But I think that the NFL wanted to stick to a schedule. I mean, when even when you're thinking about the NFL schedule, that's been kind of messed up over the past couple of weeks due to COVID-19. They still are trying to stick as much to the schedule as possible, so maybe it's just NFL culture.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm I don't know this for sure, but I'm It's probably always Week Eight, the trade deadline. So that's what it is. It's what they're going for. That's what they're going with. But yeah, it just it just seems a little silly. Now, I I want to preface this because I'm sure a lot of people will be listening to this podcast. Uh, well, I'm not sure a lot of people will listen, but of the people that will be listening, I'm sure plenty of them will be listening to this after the trade of the line happens. So I will put a timestamp sta- time in the description. You could skip ahead to when we actually talk about the game. And Derek most likely will be back later in the week to talk about what actually went down if the Rams make a move. Now, I, I mean, quick yes or no, Johnny, do you think they make a move? on deadline day there's already been some deals that happened today with some other teams but the rams have not been involved
2: uh no I, i'd be entirely surprised if there's any moves whatsoever and even less need said earlier last week that there probably won't be a big splash so maybe it's considering some smaller transaction that includes us getting like a A draft pick like maybe not even a high draft pick but like a sixth or seventh or maybe at the highest fifth round draft pick yeah i i don't think the rams have a ton of trade capital that they can do they there's some certain certainly some players guys like gerald everett and josh reynolds come to mind but even then like i can't imagine that they'll get a ton of value there and for them to get or to to receive another player like a ramsey deal is probably not even probably it's definitely not in the cards just because of the cap space alone so and they've already gutted their their NFL draft picks for 2021 so yeah i I'd be entirely surprised if there's any trades at all.
1: Yeah, the the Ramsey deal also was not a deadline deal. The the Rams, I I I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think Les Snead's been a huge deadline trade guy. But Don, Dante Fowler was around the deadline, I believe. So he he's probably the one that really comes to mind. Um, but I, I yeah, I don't see them moving dr- moving any big draft picks to get somebody. Uh, because, you know, as you mentioned, the cap is a problem, and to solve your cap problems, you need to draft chief young players that are productive, uh, something that the Rams have, have done to a fairly uh, successful degree when they actually have picks, but a problem in the last couple of years has been they've traded for Aqib Talib, Marcus Peters, Jalen Ramsey, Dante Fowler, all Brandon Cooks, uh all sammy Watkins, all guys that have brought value to the team but um as a result we haven't been able to get as many good young players as we'd hoped although we we, given the limited amount of picks we have i'd say we've done a fairly successful job but yeah i don't see a big splash coming like you mentioned reynolds and everett who are the two obvious trade targets on our team i i wouldn't be shocked if one of them or both got dealt the only problem to me is Based on what we've seen from those guys and the fact that they're in contract years, I, I don't really expect you – and based on what we've already seen teams getting uh, in the market right now uh, around the deadline for players that are probably a little more valuable, I feel like at best you're going to get a fifth-round pick for these guys. And even that, I don't even know if that's going to be on the table for either of them unless the team's really desperate and really needs help. I, and at that point, is it worth it? Like because you're you're obviously pushing for the playoffs, both those guys have value, although uh based on last week's game against Miami, we might be better off without Gerald Everett on the team, but that's another topic but yeah i I don't know it would I, I, I would be shocked if a deal happens, but like i I feel like they're not gonna just give away Gerald Everett or Josh Reynolds. I think they'd rather just ride it out uh, unless they could get a decent fit for it. And I like. I don't think you make that move for a six unless those players are vocally unhappy and their agents are pushing for the deals, which I don't know if we'd, we'd hear about that in the media, but I, I we haven't heard anything. So I don't know. I, I don't really see any trade happening either. Yep. All right. Hey, we made it easy on myself. We're at the 10 minute mark of the podcast. Let's talk about the Dolphins game. So uh, Johnny, I'm going to start with this the fuck like what that that was really did this game really happen or was i having a fever dream
2: i i wish you were dreaming i i certainly wish you were uh and i wish i was dreaming too but
1: <laughs> i think but
2: sadly, uh the case
1: i i think we have reached this year's version of the tampa bay game from last year in that it, it was a very different game, but like you just look at the, the to the totality of the sixty minutes of football and the Rams had four hundred and seventy-one yards of total offense. The Dolphins had hundred forty-five. The Rams had the ball for thirty-six minutes. The Dolphins had the ball for twenty-three minutes. The Rams had thirty-one first downs. The Dolphins had eight. And for basically the entirety of the second half it did not feel like a game that the rams had any chance of actually winning like it has i don't think a game like this has ever happened in and, and just that insane lopsided opposite performance and just they lost by double digits uh, uh, i saw Cam DeSilva at Ramswire put together some uh, some like a an article full of just crazy stats from this game They're the second team in NFL history to gain 450 yards in offense, allow less than 150 yards, and lose. The only other time that happened was, naturally, the Jets in 2000, uh, who lost to the Ravens, who I believe won the Super Bowl that year.
2: Well, if nothing else, maybe the Dolphins win the Super Bowl.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You never know. Although uh, it's funny too, because like there's just there's no takeaway about Tua after this game. There's, there's there's none. He threw for ninety yards. He didn't have to do anything. Uh, it's not even like he didn't make mistakes because he did ha- have a turnover. Um, it, it, <laughs> the announcers were like gushing over his one touchdown pass that was like four yards. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's just like there, there's, there's no takeaway from this game. It's uh, he, he looked okay, but he, he wasn't asked to do anything. It's a game like the Rams had triple their offensive yardage of their opponent and lost by double digits. Like that's insane. That's just absolutely fucking insane. Uh, like this game just made no sense.
2: Just to kind of add a little bit to that. I, I was I was laughing because of how much the the commentators were absolutely loving Tua, and I, it just made zero sense to me. You know, I was thinking, don't get me wrong, it was a special moment for him for when he got that touchdown, rookie getting a touchdown. It was a good uh, even... pass,
1: too, in his credit. It was,
2: to his credit, but it was also against a cornerback that the Rams don't, play at all and David Long um yeah. so if Jalen Ramsey's in this game there's no way that that touchdown even happens um but that's beside the point it's it just it was amazing to me how much the the commentators were just kind of bullshitting the entire game in saying that Tua was like it almost sounded like if you were to judge based on the commentator's talking, that Tua won this game, and he was nowhere near the reason why the Dolphins won this game. But, uh, enough of that. There was just so much pretty much, uh, it was funny, I was talking to a couple buddies of mine about this, and they were saying basically everything that could possibly go wrong in this game, other than maybe defensively, went wrong. Like, there was no relief in sight in this game, and Um, kudos to the defense because as awful as the Rams were in pretty much every aspect of this game, the defense really stepped up and again, without one of their uh, key leaders on this defense and Ramsey. So yeah, I I'm just, I'm stunned. I'm stunned on how little the offense accomplished and yet how much they've accomplished at the same time. It, it was just that kind of game.
1: <laughs> so, so look, eh, this is coming out on election day. Everyone needs to be de-stressed a little. Let's 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 start with the positives of this game, which is as you mentioned, uh just a not not granite. It's Miami. It's a rookie quarterback playing in his first game, but a guy who I know you love as a prospect. So it's not a, like he was a high first round pick. It's not like they were playing against uh whoever the fuck the cowboys quarterback was that played this week i don't even remember his name but <laughs> like it's not like they were playing against that guy they were playing against the second quarterback drafted in this year's draft and so far the guys drafted ahead of him and behind him Tua and Her or not sorry uh Burrow and Herbert have been pretty damn good so it's shaping up to be a good quarterback class we- we'll see with Tua it's obviously too early but uh, to to my to get to my my bigger point here, they just absolutely allowed nothing the entire game. Uh, it's not like the Dolphins. Yeah, they weren't trying to like air it out. They're playing conservatively, but you can teams can play conservatively and score touchdowns if the rushing running attack is playing well uh, and if they're being successful on short passes. And the Dolphins were successful on literally nothing. They had one good drive in the game. It was the only drive out of – I think they had like 14 drives that had more than one first down on the drive. And the entirety of this drive, which I scored a touchdown on, was 33 yards because that was the only time, I believe, in this game that they crossed the 50. Or Sorry, there was two times. One of them they started on their opponent's one-yard line. So those were the only times I think they got the ball past midfield. And it was a 33-yard drive. In their defense, it was a very nice drive. They attacked David Long, uh, who was really the only blemish on the defense. I would say in this game, even Kenny Young had like a 74 on Pro Football Focus. So that's when you know that it was just a really damn good performance by this defense, uh, just completely shutting down everything the Dolphins tried to do, except for on that one drive. And uh, they had they had plenty of three and outs. They they really just. They could do anything. Every part of our defense looked good. It's kind of crazy that this is a game where we we found out Jalen Ramsey wasn't playing after the first play. And it didn't affect the loss at all. Uh, everybody stepped up and played well. And, yeah, it's, if there's one big takeaway about the team as far as positives go going into the bye week, it's that uh, our defense should be able to keep us in games with anybody. Ass- assuming that... Um, we can get pass rush and uh, stops from the linebackers, and if they play like they did in this game, we will. But uh, we'll see. At, at worst, we have a top ten defense, I would say.
2: Easily, easily. After that, um, it it just it's amazing on how well they did, and it, it just shows moving forward that these guys can step up, even including guys like Kenny Young. I was actually really impressed about a couple plays that Kenny Young did. Now, was he perfect? Of course not. But um, all things considered, he did significantly well. Of course, again, this is the Miami Dolphins team that has a rookie quarterback, but even the ground game, I mean, they're not special either, but you wouldn't expect guys like Kenny Young and Micah Kaiser to step up in the way they did. And kudos to them because they... Did a damn good job.
1: Yeah, and and it's the Dolphins, but also you talk about the Dolphins, their wins are well, their wins aren't good, but they beat in Jacksonville, the 49ers, the Jets, and us. But their losses are to the Patriots, the Bills, and the Seahawks. So it's it's not like like I think they're clearly a, a like I. I it, would you say they're worse than the Bears? Because I don't know. I don't think I would. I'd say they're about on par with the Bears. Uh, so, I I mean, I, I don't know if that's saying much either. But uh, it, it it does mean something that uh, in a game where the offense was so putrid and terrible that the defense really just kept them in the game. I mean, if the defense played average, we lose this game. Or the Dolphins score 50 points probably. Uh, we get we get shelled if the defense is an average game. But they came out and played like an elite unit and wouldn't let the Dolphins do anything. And I would say two players that really uh, impressed me, one of them, Darius Williams, uh, continues to be a really bright spot on this defense. I think he's pretty clearly the second-best corner on the team, pretty clearly better than Troy Hill this year to me. And this one makes me really happy is how about Taylor Rapp? Had two huge plays in this game. He forced a fumble on Miles Gaskin, which uh, the Rams turned around and turned into a touchdown for the Dolphins. And he had another huge third down stop. I don't remember who was on, but the receiver caught the ball and Rapp just kind of popped it out uh, and made an incompletion. He, I, I feel really confident in how he's been playing in the last couple of games. He's a guy who started the season just straight up benched for Jordan Fuller. And probably will be bench for Jordan Fuller again when he comes back from injury. But uh, clearly, as we've seen, the Rams employ a lot of defensive backs on this defense. Uh, and he's going to play. He's going to be on the field. I mean, we saw Nick Scott playing in some of these games. So uh, even when Fuller comes back, I think we're going to have a nice three-headed monster at safety with him, with John Johnson, uh, and with Rep. And it- it's good to feel good about this guy because we loved him last year. Uh, And he sucked for the first couple games, let's be honest. But it seems like he's gotten back to form.
2: Yeah, I'll certainly agree with that, that he was not at his best. But perhaps that also says how good Jordan Fuller really is, which is interesting considering how a low-round draft pick, which if memory serves me correct, he was a sixth-rounder? Yep. Yeah. Uh, To find a sixth-rounder, and have such awesome starting capabilities—that's a fucking win already. Mm-hmm. I mean, ha- having it just right there, even if even if Fuller does nothing else for the rest of the season, uh, for the rest of his career, I still say that's a win, just because for a six rounder, you can just as easily cut the guy, and I don't think anyone would lose sleep over it because you don't expect much, and the Rams may have very well have found a gem. Now let's just hope that he comes back from his injury and continues to develop. But, um, I don't mind this. I I don't mind having a sort of battle between rap and fuller for that starting role, because that just, that's just going to push both of these guys to be better. And, um, I don't, I'm not sure when fuller is coming back. Um, hopefully, After the bye week, but I'm not entirely sure on that.
1: Yeah, he, I'm not, I'm not sure either. I don't think we've gotten really a clear answer on it yet. It wasn't an injury expected to keep him out for the rest of the season, unlike Terrell Burgess, who got hurt last week and is done for the year, Uh, another rookie safety. But uh, for those who don't remember, IR this season has been shortened to three weeks. So he could, he could come back after the bye week. He'll be eligible. We just don't know if he'll be ready. But yeah, man, so a great performance by the defense, uh, just to mention it, because man, he's so good, we're numb to it, Aaron Donald put up his best career game, according to Pro Football Focus, grade-wise, and forced a, a nice, very easy fumble on, on Tua, and I think my favorite play of the game was when they, like, they ran wildcat for one play, had a little success, tried to run it again, and Aaron Donald just sacked whatever non-quarterback was playing quarterback in like half a second. Just like got right in the backfield, tackled this guy, he just starts shaking his head. It was, uh, I, I loved it. It was such a cool moment.
2: Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, it was very entertaining because uh, Donald, I mean, we gush on the guy every year because or every game because he's just that damn good. And just when you think that Aaron Donald has is done impressing you. Um he just does some incredible shit that you'd never thought that you would see from a defensive tackle. And yet there he is continuing and and I, I imagine as the season goes along we'll we'll probably see uh more guys or, or more plays from uh Aaron Aaron Donald. So uh good luck quarterbacks.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, let's preface this by: I know it, it for a lot of people, it's going to feel like a stressful day, uh, no matter the outcome of this election. So, if you want good vibes only today, you probably don't want to listen to the rest of the podcast. Uh, but it's going to be entertaining, I think. Hopefully, uh, so let's let's go to the offensive side of the ball in this game. Uh, Do we have to? <laughs> So Johnny, here we go. Four hundred seventy total yards. Uh, Jared Goff threw for three hundred fifty-five. Cooper Cup at one hundred ten receiving yards. Uh, Robert Woods had eighty-five yards, and and uh, Cam Akers played played a little pretty well. Uh, Daryl Henderson was av- average five point nine yards for carry. And we throw all this out because this was easily the worst offensive performance the team has had all year. That includes a Giants game, uh, in the first half, which just like like who 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 should we shit on first? Should we shit on Sean McVay first, or should we shit on Jared Goff? I, I you know what I'm just gonna say I think we have to start with McVay because I think this like he's he and and we talked about how. Uh, Kevin and I last week talked about how it's just frustrating watching him do some things because he's clearly so brilliant at at, uh, at understanding and coaching the game of football. Uh, he is in his fourth season. He, he has the potential clearly to be one of the best coaches to ever coach in the National Football League. And yet, occasionally you'll just get just shit like this game. Just... We saw it in the Super Bowl where Bill Belichick clearly had everything we were going to do on offense figured out from the first play, and he just didn't try and switch it up. We we didn't change anything. We didn't adapt. Now, in that game, and I mean, maybe my my memory is just fading me because I've kind of wiped that game out from existence. Like, we didn't really have uh, the turnovers in that game, right? because the the pay, it was 3 to 3 going into the fourth quarter. Uh I think it was just both offenses couldn't do anything.
2: Yeah, it wasn't um if there was turnovers there probably wasn't many and it wasn't it was as much justified as a turnover can be. And in this game there was just I mean, I lost count of how many turnovers there were in this game, just because it was that awful. There were
1: there were four. There were four turnovers, and three of them directly resulted in touchdowns. It was um,
2: there. You
1: have it. It's just like you could any they, any time they lined up in empty in this game, and I'm pre- I'm pretty positive at least two of the turnovers came out of empty formations. It was just so clearly not going to work, and the Dolphins were bringing the rush. They were playing cover zero, so, it, like, I don't know if Jared Goff's job, or I believe it's Jared's job. What am I even saying? He doesn't. He doesn't deserve his name pronounced correctly. JG nope. um, should be calling the running back back into the backfield to block, if he sees that coming, which he should. It was coming every time. But why the fuck are we running out of this formation? After the first turnover, they should have stopped. And the game, there was a lot of reasons we lost this game, but the game was essentially lost. We lost all fucking momentum when the Rams got the ball first and goal at Miami 7, Line up in an empty formation on second and goal jared goff gets sacked obviously fumbles the ball in miami returns it for a touchdown and uh that that basically set off a firestorm for the rest of the quarter where the dolphins scored 21 unanswered points uh they actually scored 28 in the game but that was really just that just that just set off set the whole chitchat on motion we lost all momentum from there we never got it back Miami scored a punt return touchdown on the next drive. Like, sure that shit happens. We'll we'll get to it later. But just like some of the shit you see from from McVeigh with these formations, where it's just like you could see coming from a mile away that this shit's not going to work, and he, he's just not he's not changing. You know, it's like when I, when I play Madden, uh, I have like three plays that work, and if I'm playing somebody that knows I'm going to run these plays. Uh, then I'm going to throw interceptions because he knows exactly what's going to happen and he knows exactly how to stop it. But, you know, if, if that happens to me, I would probably try and do something different and win the game in a different way. But it's just multiple times with McVay, and this game was probably the worst example of it because you saw uh, it wasn't just offense the offense not being successful. And, look, if the offense just straight up wasn't successful but not turning the ball over – We probably win this game, but just the turnovers, man, and and just, like you said, everything that went wrong for the Rams could have went wrong. I don't don't even know if I agree. I feel like this is a game that they could have easily won had they not made a handful of mistakes, and they were all, like, the Dolphins forced their hands, but every one of these turnovers was just garbage. Like, it just it wasn't the, the it was the dolphins running good schemes but you you should have been able to adapt to these the two interceptions by Goff were horrible uh the fumbles you know i'll give him a little pass there because these were his first two lost fumbles of the year it was a big problem last year and he more and he at least until this game had it fixed but just you get sacked on a like a seven man blitz out of empty like what the fuck did you expect to happen man and another empty, they threw an interception because God got the ball, stared at his receiver the whole time, had to throw a quick, threw a quick, even the back saw coming from a mile away. It was just like, it was unbelievable, man. And you, it's just so frustrating to see from a guy who we all respect so much that he just, he, he just comes out and does this. And another big culprit, um, you know, it's like parody at this point. Anyone on Twitter, when Daryl Henderson starts running the ball, well, you're like, oh, Daryl Henderson starting off hot. Looks like he won't touch it at all for the rest of the game. And they come out of the gate with two running plays that are are successful. They're, they're good running plays. And we we get a first down and they throw three incomplete passes in a row. It's just like a joke at this point. Like it's like it's like he's just trying to make make somebody laugh with these sick, twisted, repetitive jokes. And I don't think it's fucking funny. I'm not having fun.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's uh yeah i don't know if i can add too much more to that because that's pretty much how i feel um i i think one of the most frustrating aspects of this is exactly how steve mentioned is we know the offensive guru that you know sean mcveigh can can be and he wasn't showing any of it He he looks like a predictable—I mean, he was almost Jeff
1: Fisher-like in a way. It was a very Uh, Jeff Fisher-esque game, and he should be compared. He deserves it after this game. Uh, This was a Jeff Fisher-type offensive performance. It was the games uh, where—it was the opposite, where the Rams would come out and the defense would stack nine guys in the box, and we would just run Todd Gurley up into the middle, and he would lose yards. Like the most predictable shit ever. Uh, it was a very Jeff Fisher. It, what, what was there what was that garbage OC we had? Rob Boris was that the guy we had?
2: Um, yeah, it was a Rob Boris
1: s called game. Honestly, I I hate saying yeah. that, but it was. No, it really was. It was. It was.
2: what was. I think most frustrating out of all of this is you have three. Okay. L- Let me rephrase that. You have two capable backs, uh, running backs, and one potentially capable running back in Cam Akers. Now, obviously, things weren't working in the passing game because, you know, they they didn't figure out right away that you're going to have to protect Goff. So instead of... Allowing the game to be transitioned between, you know, passing the ball and running the ball, they just, he just continuously did the same things over and over. What's particularly frustrating is when you have running backs that were succeeding. Now, I understand Daryl Henderson, uh, you know, went out for a bit due to an injury, Yes, but, you but,
1: had, but he got her, like, he, he, he was questionable return, just, just to correct you so you can accurately shit on this team. He was out <laughs> the second half, so, like, the game was already in hand at that point.
2: True. It's true. And, but the other thing is, too, how are you going to do a, a proper committee when you're, you're not even running a committee at this point? You're giving more... You're giving more handoffs to Henderson, who obviously deserves them. You're giving some to Malcolm Brown, which, okay, fine. But Brown should not be getting the bulk of the carries here. He shouldn't. There's absolutely no reason why he should. And unless, for whatever reason, if Malcolm Brown is dominating, fine. Give him the rock. Fine. But... Malcolm Brown ideally is a guy that should be a third down back. Uh, maybe go go more Brown in the in the red zone. Cam Akers we're never going to know what we have in Cam Akers if we don't get him the ball. He was basically given the ball mostly i believe it was in the second quarter if i'm not mistaken
1: second half um after after henderson went out he he carried it quite a bit he had he had nine carries in the day for 35 yards so it, it, he yeah, he looked he looked pretty good i would love for him to get all of malcolm brown's carries but i don't think yes. it's going to happen that
2: that was my issue was we we basically saw him for a series and then we never saw him again Um, at least not anything meaningful anyway, you know, you kind of need more, more than just kind of nine carries. This is why it's so odd to me because I felt like the Rams were heading in the right direction before Cam Akers got injured. You know, they were getting him touches and now Akers is off the face of the earth unless garbage time happens or, um, Unless there's an injury. And I just, I don't understand why they're so hesitant to give him the ball. You know, I can totally understand if Akers was making some terrible mistakes, like if he fumbled the ball multiple times, but he hasn't. So why not feed him the ball a little bit more? Um, Why not give Henderson more of a shot? Uh, Again, injury happened. So I guess that's something to look at. But overall, the imbalance of this game was ridiculous. The predictability was beyond ridiculous. I mean, if you're going to be predictable, at least run the ball. You know, something that was actually working for a little while.
1: I'm just, it, I don't it know. Was, it was, like, before Henderson uh, got hurt, it, it was working, clearly. And I think, oh, like, more or less on the day... Uh, they averaged four and a half yards a carry, so I mean that's not bad at all. Uh, it, it was it was clearly working for most of the game, and and that that's what was so frustrating, man. It's just they had something that was working, and you know it wasn't working anything Jared Goff did when he dropped back to pass. So like I, I I just don't understand why he would move away from that just 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 so quickly. Uh, and and just so simply, it was like you you could tell. I think from the second drive that, or we score on the second drive, maybe the third drive, that Jared Goff was not going to have a good game. It seemed very obvious. And for for you to not only let, for you to not only just commit more harder to the running game, but to just continue to let him drop back and pass when it, you know as a result. We turn we, we turned the drive, we turned the ball over on, well, I'm, I'm trying to do the math there. We turned the drive over on four out of six possessions. And it was all Jared Goff. Every, every one of the turnovers was Jared Goff. Uh, and, and the, the punts the or sorry, the fumbles were part of his fault. I believe one of them, he held on the ball a little too bit long. He stepped up. He got it poked out. Uh, and he lost it. it was just man it was it was really fucking frustrating to watch uh and I hated every minute of it uh, I did not have any fun watching this game after the first quarter and,
2: I, I i don't blame you at all man <laughs> i just i don't blame you
1: and, and just Goff, too man like it's like 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 i feel like if if Jared Goff. If, if you handed him a, a Frogger game and you said, get to the other side of the road, he'd only be able to get to the other side of the road if every car on the road just stopped moving like the game glitched and he could just walk around everything. Because this, this guy who is like, equal like McVeigh is frustrating because of how good he's looked at time. It feels like whenever he faces some adversity, whenever he doesn't have a clean pocket, he just sucks. Like, it's just terrible. And that might be an overreaction, but we've seen it countless times. We saw it a lot last year. We saw it towards the end of the 2018 season. We mentioned McVay in the Super Bowl. Uh, it's like like they're a pair. And when one of them is bad, the other one's even worse. And it, it was the Super Bowl. It was this game. It was plenty of games last year. It's just like these turnovers, while part of the problem was the schemes were running and the play calls. He shouldn't have turned the ball over on almost every one of these. It could have been avoided. And had we had we just taken care of the ball, uh, there was plenty of things we could have done better. But had we just not turned the ball over, I feel like this would have been like the Giants game. We probably would have won like 17-10 to 10 or something like that. I mean, literally, 21 points as a direct result off of turnovers. It was all the offense they got was on turnovers. They had more... Total yards, Johnny, on the fumble return touchdown and on the punt return touchdown than they had in the entire game on offense. It's just we we completely handed this one away. And I mean, like, I'm not the, the special teams. We'll we'll talk about a little bit at the end of the pod. Uh, I, w- I was pretty frustrating as well. But even if that punt return touchdown doesn't happen, we still lose the game because of the other fucking turnovers that directly resulted in points. Every tough job they had besides the punt return was a direct result of our offense shooting itself in the foot. Uh, and it's just, it's just imbi- like, it's bad, man. You, you're not going to win doing this in the NFL against any type of competent team. Uh, and the Dol- Dolphins offense, as we said, did nothing. It didn't matter. We just handed them the game. We could have taken a knee three times in a row uh, on, on the fumble, by Miles Gaskin, and we would have been better off because, well, I don't know. Maybe we would have just shanked the field goal. I have no fucking idea. But it would have been better than the result that happened, which was we turned the ball over and they scored a touchdown.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the absolute sad truth to all of this is, you know, you can't – I mean, the special teams really did fail. Um, in multiple ways but at the end of the day it was because of the turnovers on offense and while I'm more inclined to to um basically blame Sean McVay in this game I will say Goff had to have a share of blame as well he made some pretty poor decisions and I, I'm not going to sit here and say that he was the entire problem because he wasn't. Um, in fact, I wouldn't say he was the majority of the problem either. That to me belongs to McVeigh. But before people call out for for uh, Jared Goff's head, keep in mind that he's had some pretty good games this year too.
1: He has, yeah. And for the most part, I mean, he he's been good. But you deliver something like as as bad as this. Uh, it's, it just sucks to watch, you know, we'll, we'll see how the year plays out, but you you can't be giving away games like this. And, And it's on both of them. Uh, you rank who's most responsible for this loss. It's Sean McVay one and Sherry Goff two, and then probably a pretty big gap. You know, Gerald Everett played like shit. He dropped a couple passes, but ultimately his drop passes didn't result in Dolphins touchdowns. All of Jared Goff's mistakes did. Uh, his, his QPR was 12.8, lower than Tua's. Tua was a 25. That's not good. Uh, it's just like, man, it, it just sucked. It, it really sucked. And it's like, it, it, like as we've said, I, I love Sean McVay. I like Jared Goff. Sometimes these guys look like the next check and Tom Brady. Then we'll get games like this. They look like the next Brian Schottenheimer and Sean Hill. It's just like, the fuck are you guys doing? What What are we doing here? How, do you, how does it go this wrong just out of nowhere? How are we this inconsistent?
2: Sean McVay, Jared Goff, if by some miracle you're listening, can you please <laughs> not suck anymore because Steve keeps bringing up these bad memories, and
1: I don't like it. <laughs> I feel like I could have gone worse than those. No. Br- Brian Schotheimer somehow still has a job. Is he still the offensive coordinator in Seattle?
2: I think he is.
1: Well, yeah, I guess as it uh, as it turns out, you won't, he only needs how long has he been there? He's only been there for three years. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's he's blessed with riches that he did not have over there. Uh, I do not miss him, but yeah, I mean, we we talked about the running backs. Like Cam Akers looked pretty good in limited work. Gerald Henderson. Give him the ball as much as you can. We're not giving him the ball enough. He's our best player. Not our best player on offense, but he's one of them. Cooper Cup was targeted 21 times. Like, what? Like, we had four players with over nine targets in this game. Miami had one player with over five targets. It's just, it's funny how much they threw the ball. Uh, Goff threw it 61 times. You're never going to win when he throws the ball 61 times. I... I saw a stat that he's thrown the ball over 50 times. I think like four times in his career, which first of all is insane, and second of all, we lost every one of those games. I think we are. (laughs) Don't quote me on the stat. I think this is what I saw, and I think Blaine Blaine Grisick put this stat out. It was uh, I think he's two and five when he throws the ball over 40 times, Uh, and then obviously they lost four times when he went over 50. So yeah, I hope I never see anything like this again. But unfortunately I'm we might. We might. It's not uh it's not out of the realm of possibility.
2: Uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we we got we gotta talk about the special teams. It's just what I hate about the special teams unit is for, for almost a decade And I think I've said this in the pod before For almost a decade under John Fossil We were arguably the best special teams unit In the league We had the best punter in the league We had one of the best kickers in the league uh, We 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 called fake punts Every now and then We had a pretty good success rate on them we, we didn't really give up Return touchdowns that often I'm sure we gave them up a bunch Or a handful of times But now, look at, look at us now. Like, we still have Johnny Ecker. He's still killing it. But we can't buy a fucking field goal. They're never – I – like, how, how, I, how many times, honestly, do you think they're going to take a field goal over 50, 50 yards this year? Like, I, I can't imagine them ever doing it again because they're so scarred from what they've seen in the first couple weeks. Granted, the, uh, the Kai Forbath kick that he missed – it was it was truly the most disgusting field goal I've ever seen uh, from an NFL kicker. But at the same time, it probably wouldn't have mattered. It, we probably still would have lost if he made that. It would have made it an eight-point game. We're not scoring. We're not scoring in this game. And just, I, I know it's like like punt return touchdowns happen, but so many opportunities in that punt return to tackle uh, Jakeem Grant. They just didn't. And it's just... It's like the sum of a whole parts. We we used to not have to worry at all about special teams. Yeah, Zerline would miss a couple field goals every now and then. He did lose us a game. He didn't lose us a game, but uh, we could have been in Seattle and he missed a field goal at the end of the game. But we're not even trying 50-yard field goals, really. Like, we don't even consider it. And we had Zerline, if it was 4th and 12, and we could line up a 58-yard field goal, we could try it because his problem wasn't his – his leg strength. It was his accuracy, and he was still fairly accurate. So it's just that's just another weapon we don't have is the option to kick field goals at that range. And I mean, in this game, this particular game, we probably would have tried a couple sixty yarders because the the Dolphins' offense wasn't going to score. So it's like I miss Zerline and I miss John Fossil, and I just it we're we're just like a joke now on special teams. All we can do do well is punt.
2: Yeah, that's pretty much what it's come down to and <laughs> four bats field goal, I'm still trying to figure out what the hell happened there. Um to his credit, I'm not entirely sure why you settle for a field goal there. Um
1: I uh, you know what, Johnny, I will defend Sean McVay there. Get the points on the board because you, you, like, I don't know. Yeah, you, You're in a position to kick a field goal. If you think you can make a 48-yarder, make it a one-score game, uh, you're still going to have to get the ball back and get a drive no matter what. I'd rather get the three points, have a shot to win later. Uh, because, I mean, how, how much more frustrating would that have been if he missed it at the end of the game? Uh, I mean, well, not that that's see, how you should look at it, but.
2: This is why I felt like he should have. Went for uh, Went for it on fourth down. I understand it wasn't like a close fourth fourth down to attempt, but at the same time, what what the fuck did they had to lose? You know they <laughs> yeah. they they were going up against a terrible offense anyway. It's not like the defense couldn't have stopped them. And on top of all of that, one of the things that's known about Kai Forbath, while I'm not making any excuses for the guy. He's never been known to having a huge leg. So while 48 yards may not seem like much because we've had guys like Greg Zerloin who can, you know, boot the ball no problem, for a lot of kickers in the league, even 48 yards is pretty far.
1: Well, his, so, his attempt wouldn't have gone in from 20 yards.
2: No, no, I wouldn't have. But, but that's my point, though. Why try it, you know? You know your kicker is not reliable. Go for it. What the hell do you have to lose? I, it just, I at that point, you know, and in most cases, I would definitely agree with your approach. But there was just so many different factors there that it's like, what the hell, why not? Just do it.
1: And if it makes you feel better, I think I am in the minority on this take. Uh, from what I read on Twitter, most people didn't agree with the call, like like you're not. But I don't know. It, to me, it felt right in the moment, but ultimately, it didn't. It didn't matter. It just yeah. <laughs> I could, could not. My eyes just they. I could see my brain because of how far they rolled into the back of my head after that field goal attempt. Just to how <laughs> how horrible it was.
0: <laughs> well, I was actually
2: kind of happy he made it into the little camera booth. <laughs>
1: What the fuck um, happened? Did we find out what happened on that field goal? Did he no, just straight um, up shank? Like, I, how do you even kick it? Like, if you're an NFL kicker, how do you even do that? I'm not sure. I don't think even Kai Forbath has an answer for you, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think he does. Uh, and he probably he probably didn't have a post game press conference. No, uh, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. So I mean. You can look ahead a little. We don't have a game next week, so we, we don't have anything to talk about there. But we're going to the bye. We're 5-3. and three. We are still the seventh seed, luckily, because, um, and I mentioned this on last week's pod, that, that Bears game is a huge win for the tiebreakers because they're probably going to be in the mix, even though like we could, I mean, let's be real, both us and the Bears could just fall off a cliff in the second half of the season based on what we've seen so far. But we hold the seven seed, and it's seven seven teams in the playoffs now. For those who forgot, we hold the seven seed over the over the Bears. Um, and also one thing that's going to bode well for us in tiebreakers, like I mentioned, we're five and one in the conference because we swept the NFC East. So we got to pick up a couple more wins in the division, and hopefully we can grab a win against Tampa Bay. And who, who who's our other out of division opponent? I have the schedule up And I was just on the wrong tab Oh The Bears who we already beat So yeah hopefully we can pick up Win against Tampa Bay hopefully we can get some wins in the division But you know we come out of the bye week And our schedule is Seattle at Tampa Bay Home against the 49ers at the Cardinals Now I think Would you agree Johnny we have enough evidence at this point To say that the, the Cardinals are good I think we clearly have that
2: uh, yeah, I would say that they are good um, with a few shortcomings, but we'll get to that when we cross that road.
1: Why, why do you got to do Kyler Murray like that? He's not um, that short.
2: You know, I wasn't even going that route. But. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I, I love Kyler. I think one of our worst takes in 2020 might have been that we said we'd take Jared Goff over him. Uh, but (laughs) we'll revisit that later on. Um, Yeah, they're clearly good. Now, a positive for us is the 49ers are falling off a cliff injury-wise. They might not have both George Kittle. They definitely won't have George Kittle, and they probably won't have Garoppolo when we play them in, what is that, week 12? So that's a positive, even though they whooped our ass last time. It's shaping up like a game that we should win, and... Now, for the most part, we have beaten teams we should beat. Maybe we should beat Miami, but they're not the worst. The Patriots are a joke. They are really falling off a cliff, and uh, the Jets might literally be 0-14 or 0-13 when we play them. So on the positive side, we should have three wins at least for the rest of the season. But on the negative, we have the other – the other five games are Seattle, Tampa Bay, Arizona, Seattle, Arizona. And we have to win some of those games to make the playoffs. We're probably not getting in the playoffs at eight and eight if we drop all five of those games. And at nine and seven, we'll see. It'll depend how competitive teams are, like, you know, as we mentioned, the Bears, San Francisco, Detroit. Luckily, a lot of those teams are, are fading quickly near the bottom of the conference, but there's still a lot of season left, so it, it's too early to tell. But like we, ideally, we want to we want to go. We, we would want to go five five and three in that stretch, so we finish ten and six, and. I I don't feel good about it after after what we've seen in the season so far. I I don't know how you could feel good that we're gonna win a couple games against the likes of Arizona, Seattle, and Tampa Bay. You know, it's just in our divisional games you always step up, but at the same time, so is the other team. But I don't I don't know, man. It, it is really ugly so far, and, and we'll see. Tampa Bay is a flaky team. I'm pretty sure they have been struggling with the the Giants tonight. Which is like not not ideal, uh, I, but I don't know, man. I think because they added the seventh playoff spot, I I still feel pretty good about our playoff chances. But it's we got to win at least one of those games, you know, and and this team needs to be better for that to happen.
2: Couldn't agree more. There's there's still a lot of football left for the Rams to still make the playoffs, but they don't have a lot of wiggle room either basically if they if they lose really any of their divisional um matchups it it comes to the point where like there's no way this team makes it so the the rams just gotta win at this point they just they need to win
1: and you know the defense has been playing great but you know to play devil's advocate there We've played against two good offenses this year, and one of them was Dallas. Like they—they've been taking care of business against all these not great teams, but we're we're talking about Russell Wilson, we're talking about Tom Brady, we're talking about Kyler Murray, it's different animals. We're talking about DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Evans, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Chris Godwin, uh. Chris Carson, you know, fucking Gronk is having a little comeback here. It's like, we're going to play. These are clearly the best offices we're playing so far, with the possible exception of Buffalo. Um, and I, I'm, I'm nervous for, for how we handle these teams. Uh, luckily, Seattle's defense has been uh, pretty terrible. So hopefully we can attack – and do well but i mean after this game i don't know if we can do that uh we haven't really had uh an offensive explosion in a while like and in a couple weeks the last time we scored 30 points was washington uh 4 weeks ago and i mean that they that game was it, we would have had to do i we would probably have to turn the ball over 12 times to lose that game uh, i don't know but Luckily, like, and, and to wrap it up, I guess on a on a positive, five and three going into the bye is is a good record. It's a good record to have. We have work to do, but luckily, we we're able to beat the Giants in a game that we could have lost. We we're able to beat the Bears in a game that we could have lost. Uh, so, it, we're we're in good shape record wise. If we could just get our shit together, we should be in the playoffs. Now, can this team go deep into the playoffs today? No, but is the talent there to do it? Sure. So we'll we'll, we'll see. There's a lot of work to be done, but uh, we could be in worse shape.
2: Yeah, completely agree. Uh, there's no doubt that the Rams have the talent. Now it's just time to put up or shut up.
1: Yep. All right. Well, luckily, uh, not luckily, but uh, we can enjoy some football stress-free on Sunday. So, that's nice. <laughs> no Rams.
2: <laughs> we can easily say that the Rams didn't lose this week.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they are they, we already can count can count that in. And hopefully, you know, the Packers beat the 49ers, maybe the Bills beat the Seahawks, maybe the oh, <laughs> maybe the Dolphins beat the Cardinals, but uh, I gotta say the only thing that could ruin my Sunday is if the Cardinals blow out the dolphins and just like, <laughs> ah, that would be rough that would hurt, but but what
2: happens if the dolphins dominate the cardinals what what then
1: <laughs> it, it, <laughs> it would like honestly, like can you like if they win that game? I mean, we are I think pretty much everybody on the planet agrees that. The NFC West is the best division in the league. And if the Dolphins manage to beat the Cardinals, they will be 3-0 and against our division. Like, that's fucking insane. Or, sorry, sorry. 3-1. They already played Seattle. But still, that would still be nuts.
2: Yeah, completely. So, I don't know, man. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, on it, like, I, this obviously isn't a Dolphins podcast, but you look at their schedule. After they play the Cardinals, which is obviously a tough game, they get the Chargers, Broncos, Jets, Bengals all in a row. Then they get the Chiefs, tough game. And they get the Patriots, Raiders, Bills. Now, obviously there's some tough games in that stretch, but I mean, if if they take care of business in that four-game stretch against the Chargers, Broncos, Jets, and Bengals, and manage to even even if they just win those four games and beat the Patriots later in the year, they're nine and seven assuming they lose all the other games they'll be in the mix they might be in the playoffs the dolphins really might be in the playoffs this year
2: there you have it
1: (laughs) all right uh so we'll be back next week stand on the lookout for more pods from the team this week and follow us on twitter at Steve barrow at johnny5.6 and at talk rams and we'll talk to you guys soon
2: Sean Payton, keep talking that we're going to see him soon. You feel Mm -hmm.
0: me? The NBA is back. Where else can you get?